Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. Today we conclude a three-part sermon series on the subject of stewardship. And again, I want to revisit the definition of stewardship as we have for each of the past two presentations. Stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. The scripture foundation for the sermon series has been 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As every man, every woman, every young person hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, and underscore, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As a general rule, when most of us think of stewardship in the context of Christianity, we think of money. But we have discovered that stewardship involves much more. We've discovered that stewardship involves our time. We've noted that stewardship involves our talents. And in our final session of the sermon series, we're looking at stewardship involving our treasure as we consider basic laws of biblical finance. As you and I confront the extraordinary challenges of various economic situations in our day-to-day living, we as Christians can find direction in the Scriptures. I am not a financial advisor. I am not an expert in the field of finances. But I do want to remind us in this presentation today of two basic laws of finance. Two basic laws of finance that will aid in our becoming more of a good steward of the manifold grace of God. First basic law, money is good if used and not allowed to use us. I want to repeat that. Money is good if used and not allowed to use us. I read from Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 11. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. If money is going to be used to reveal that you and I are indeed good stewards of the manifold grace of God, we need to understand James chapter 1 and verse 17. Listen as the practical apostle pen to that generation and to ours. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, 
with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. When this principle is understood, God is master. There are many examples in the Bible of money being used in a positive manner, and I want us to notice just one. It's found in Job chapter 42 and verse 11. Before I read it, I want to set the, the scene. You will remember that Job has lost basically all of his earthly possessions. Job was once a very wealthy man. Now he is poor. God has allowed Job to go through an excruciating test, a time of trouble, a period of affliction. Now notice Job 42 and verse 11. Then came there unto Job all his brethren and all his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And underscore this next phrase. And every man gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. And then if you will read the very next verse, it says that the latter end of Job was better than his former position. So when we understand that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, when we understand that, God is master. And money is used in a positive, good way. On the other hand, when the truth of every good gift and every perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness is misunderstood, money becomes the master. There are also many examples in the Bible of money being used in a negative way. And again, I want us to notice just one. It's a little lengthy, but it's worth listening to. It's found in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now, I want to pause there a moment and set the stage. At that time, the followers of Christ were selling their possessions, and they were placing the money they received into a common pool for everyone to use. So that's the setting. Now notice, they sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and, and keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. 
And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. So again, I make this statement, my brothers and sisters, when we do not understand that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, when we misunderstand that principle, then money becomes our master. So the question we need to ask at this juncture is this, how can we make sure that we use money and not allow money to use us? This question each of us should be asking, and this question introduces the second basic law of biblical finance. The law is this. Make friends of money. May I repeat that? The second basic law of biblical finance is make friends of money. Now, this is not the philosophy of Pastor Dan. This is the injunction from Christ himself. I read from Luke chapter 16 and verse 9. And I, Jesus, say unto you, Underscore, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. And as if someone were about to ask, well, Jesus, why do we need to make friends of money? The response of Christ to those followers then and to we followers today is the very same thing, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now, that's back up and read the previous verses to discover the context of the statement that Jesus made and to discover some ways to make friends of money. Luke 16, beginning in verse 1. And Jesus said also unto his disciples, question, who is Jesus talking to? One more time, who's Jesus talking to? One more time, who's Jesus talking to? Disciples. Are you a disciple? Am I a disciple? Jesus said unto his disciples then, and he's saying to his disciples today, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. Now remember, we've been studying about stewardship. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. But I am resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of all. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. 
And he said unto him, take thy bill and write for score. So what's the context of Luke 16, verse 9, when Jesus said, make to yourselves friends of mammon? What's the context? The context is instruction to and for his disciples. That's the context. There are three principles in these verses that I just read that are imperative for us to see, that are imperative for us to accept, and imperative for us to practice if we are going to make friends of money and be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. One principle involves our saving habits. Let me repeat that. One principle involves our saving habits. I want you to, to note that in verse 1 of this chapter that I just read, these verses, it says that he wasted the goods. He wasted. Now, what does this indicate? It indicates that he had not properly saved he had not properly invested the goods that were entrusted to him by his Lord, and as a result of his negligence of good saving habits, it contributed to the state of desperation he now found himself. I want you to notice with me another story that Jesus related that illustrates the importance of this principle that involves our saving habits is found in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 12. A certain nobleman called his ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds. And he said unto them, Occupy, and that word occupy literally means do business. So he says, Do business till I come. And it came to pass that when he returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And the second came saying, Lord, Thy pound hath gained five pounds. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. Notice the response. And the nobleman said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Now let me pause and ask a question. Had he lost the pound? No, it was still there. So the question is, did he use the pound wisely as the others had? The nobleman said unto him, out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury or interest. So what's he saying? He's saying you fail 
to implement good saving, investing habits with my money. And because of this, I deem you as wicked. Now listen to me very carefully. There are some practical ways that you and I should be investing. There are some practical ways that you and I should be saving, and we need to investigate and implement ethical ways to do so. Let me give an illustration. And this is going to tell a little bit about my age. I used to pay bills and, and write money through checks. Very seldom do I write a check anymore. But that was the way we did things when I was growing up. I wrote checks. And so I had a built-in mechanism with my checking account to save money. If I wrote out a check for $5.95, I did not write $5.95 in my checkbook. I wrote $10. If I wrote $11.20 check, I did not write $11.20 in my checkbook. I wrote down $15. Now, every month when I received my statement, I went through my statement to make sure it was right, but I also took great delight in seeing how much I had saved in my doing that. That was a built-in way for me to accumulate some savings. So again, I would encourage all of us to, to discover ways, practical ways, that we can invest and save. Another principle, if we're going to make friends of money, is that it involves our spending habits. Am I smiling? Can you see my teeth? My brothers and sisters, we need to get out of debt as soon as possible. May I say that again? We need to get out of debt as soon as possible. Now, if you will look in Luke chapter 16 in verse 6, you will see that the steward instructed those who owed money to his Lord, the steward's Lord, to settle up quickly. How were they to do it? Quickly. I read from Romans chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, and underscore, owe no man how much? One more time, how much? One more time, how much? Owe no man anything but to love one another. Now, this is not Pastor Dan's philosophy. This is the philosophy of God's Holy Spirit writing through the anointed apostle Paul. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So again, I say, my brothers and sisters, you and I should be looking to get out of debt as soon as possible. I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that every young person 
needs to be taught the importance of a budget. And would I offend you if I were to make the statement, some of us older people need to also learn about a budget? Not only should we be, le be learning about a budget, we should be operating on a budget. And, and, and we should be teaching our young people and we should be practicing that spending more than the income leads to devastating results. Amen or ouch. Why is our country in the state that we are financially? Because we spend more than we take in. We do not operate on a balanced budget. Why are so many families in financial problems? Because we are spending more than we are taking in. We need to develop a plan to pay off our creditors as soon as possible. Are you listening to me? Because the mark of the beast is on the horizon. And I really believe we have played into the enemy's hands in this regard. Another principle, if you and I are going to make friends of money, involves our sharing habits. Now, while it's not stated explicitly in Luke chapter 16, it is definitely inferred that the steward shared. And so the question is, how did he share? He did so by giving each of those who owed his Lord a discount. He offered them a deal. And because they accepted the deal and followed through with the deal he offered them, he was actually sharing with them. He was giving to them. I read from Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus imparted instruction of how important it is to be a giver, to share. From the gracious lips of our Savior, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. My brothers and sisters, as part of our sharing habits, we should be giving to God. <laughs> giving a faithful tithe. Giving a free will love offering to help sustain and maintain God's work. We should be giving to ourselves. We should be giving to our families. We should be giving to others. It is impossible to give from a pure motive and be selfish at the same time. May I repeat that? It is impossible to give from 
a pure motive and be selfish at the same time. I'm not being critical, I'm not being judgmental, but my brothers and sisters, we have too many selfish people in this world. We need to implement giving and sharing. I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that if you and I will practice these two basic laws of biblical finance, money is good if used and not allowed to use us, make friends of money, we will be reckoned as having done wisely as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What do I base that on? Let's look at one final verse in Luke 16 that we haven't read yet. Luke 16 and verse 8. I want to read the A part first. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. Now, why did his Lord commend him? Underscore, because he had done wisely. Now, that word wisely literally means he had used his head to get out of his predicament. <laughs> would it offend you if I were to make the statement that some of us need to use our head a little more? Because if we did, we would not be in some of the predicaments we are financially. And then Jesus made a statement. A statement that should be constantly reminded to each of us how important it is to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Look at Luke 16, the B part of verse 8. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Will it offend you if I read that one more time? Now, this is not Pastor Dan talking. This is Pastor Jesus. And Pastor Jesus said, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Sadly, people who live exclusively for this life often show more earnestness in their pursuit of what this world has to offer than some of us Christians do in our preparing for what God offers to us as we choose to serve Him. There's nothing wrong with having things as long as we have things in moderation. But when everything is said and done, where should you and I be laying up our treasure? My Bible says we should be laying up treasure where? In heaven, where moth, rust, and thieves cannot touch it. My dear friends, in conclusion, we need to be wiser than some of us are in regard to our treasure, in regard to our money. 
The wise men pen in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 12, for wisdom is a defense. And underscore this next phrase. And money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Now follow me very closely. That word defense can also be translated to mean protection. Money is indeed of great use and protection. But blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, blessed is the young person who understands that money cannot compare to the wisdom of God. Money can be of great help in supporting and protecting our lives. But the God of true wisdom is the one who gives us life. Money, as valuable as it may be, will not bring us into God's favor. Since you and I cannot control the circumstances in which we may be involved when it comes to money, it's wise to recognize that we have a wonderful privilege to trust God and to submit to His will. And as we live the life of a Christian, we can be sure that there will be times of prosperity and there will be times of adversity. There is no question about this. The question is, how will we deal with prosperity? How will we deal with adversity? I have found the answer for myself in God's Word. It is a part of my communication with my Heavenly Father, and I have prayed it many, many, many times, if I, as I have aspired to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. It's found in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 8. This is how I pray. Dear Father, two things have I required or requested of Thee. Deny me them not before I die. Number one, remove far from me vanity and lies. What a prayer. And secondly, Father, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Now, why do I pray this prayer? I pray it for the same reason that verse 9 expresses, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. I wonder how many of you will join me in making this a part of your prayer, communication with Heavenly Father in this new year? Would you join me in this prayer? Why is it so important? 
so that we will be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Because stewardship involves our time, our talents, and our treasure. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.